Welcome back to With Zero Authority. I'm Corey. And I'm Will. Good to see you, my friend. Good another to week. See you. Another week. Back another, at it. Another terrible <laughs> development. I tried to start on an upbeat tone, in, but I'm with you. It's in, a, been a bad week. In U.S. politics, at least on like an interpersonal level. I mean, outside of outside of Congress. Uh, yep, yep. Off the campaign trail. So let's start there. Let's go back to last weekend in yeah. Charlottesville. While we were recording that last yeah. weekend. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you can see why some people do that thing where they have the television in the studio or wherever with just CNN going on on just YouTube 24-7. Just to respond stay on top of things. To, to developments, yeah. Yep. So, uh, what happened? Um, so, it started with a uh, organized protest called Unite the Right. Most of the participating organizations, uh, fringe, right-wing, to radical, yeah, like racist. Van- Vanguard America. KKK. A couple of these, like militia groups yeah i mean i don't remember the name of the one but like united socialists oh something like that There's national a lot of, socialists yeah that, that, yeah that see that's eerily similar to some other group from history class in, in like <laughs> elementary school that i remember they might have been the most evil regime in human history yeah it's just it's just reminiscent of uh of that i don't i can't I can't really pinpoint what it is. Yeah, there were neo-Nazis at this rally. So, yeah. um, I mean, knowingly, like, they were coming. Yeah, right? let's, like, let's start we'll be there, there um, because now Did that you we know, know there who, was a neo-Nazi movement still in the world and still in America? Yeah, I mean, I, it used to be a joke when I was a little bit younger, right? Yeah. Neo-Nazis used to be those those losers out on the highway with, like, a sign, right? They They were one Harley away from just being another bunch of dumb bikers right but now it seems as though they've been provided some some legitimacy yeah um if you can even call it that uh yeah platforms probably the the right way which is unfortunate i mean a lot of people 10 20 30 years ago if you talked about a future where the neo-nazis so are making the evening news for why did the neo-nazis and the white supremacists and these fringe right-wing groups all unite to converge on Charlottesville. Uh, I know a, no, very little other than it was just an organized protest to you know, give themselves a platform for whatever particular issues they wanted to talk about. So the core of this issue was a statue of Robert E. Lee. Oh, so officially and yeah. formally. It was the fact that a statue was being taken down. Oh, a okay. A statue of the failed Confederate general, <laughs> Robert E. Lee. Okay. So... This, this was on the UVA campus, University of Virginia? I wouldn't say. It's near there. Okay, so the tie-in, though, was that yeah. there was a group of students that surrounded this statue. Yeah. I don't know what the Unite the Right was planning to do with the statue. Yeah. If it was going to be taken down. But <laughs> but they were so they were protesting the removal of the statue. The UVA thing is not necessarily key to this, because then we're, we're going to really delve into a conversation about the counter-protest. Okay. So... Uh, the protest begins, and we see, like, all the... It was the most diverse group of white racists I have seen in a long time. Everything from people dressed as Donald Trump when he hits the links, to uh, neo-Nazis, to KKK members, 
uh, to these militia groups, you know, how they have the paramilitary outfits yep. with the with the, the, the semi-automatic rifles. That's terrifying. Um, no, they didn't have the rifles out. They had the rifles. This protest. They had the rifles it's out. It's open carry in Virginia? I wouldn't know, but they had the rifles out. Huh, that's surprising. Uh, Texas happens all the time. I don't know. Yeah, okay. but uh, they, had their, uh, they had their firearms. The paramilitary stuff is pretty common at these right-wing... Sure. Uh, Meetings. I mean, there's a ton of militia history yeah. in the country. Um, the problem with it, though, is is with that militia history, it's kind of become intertwined with far-right politics. Like, we saw the number of registered militia groups spike after President Yeah, Obama's but far-right politics are... They're politics, right? It, it's okay. That's a political yeah, playing just, field. I've just that, never met a a left wing militia member that wasn't a part of like the communist revolutionary party. Uh, but I think we have to specifically talking about this event. There's a really stark line between neo Nazi, white supremacist, racist, and the far right. and the far right yeah, political. Like Ted Cruz wouldn't roll up to this protest. Yeah, I mean, Trump's biggest mistake in all of this was doing what. I'm trying to do right now is actually put a line between these two things. Yeah, but the, the thing, only thing we're talking is he, he about was the racism. Where, he missed where to draw the line. Yeah, you know what he said that there were some decent people at the protest, right, right? Which is just not true. I mean, even if, even if you're, if you're, if you're the president of the United States, and there is a protest to maintain a statue of Robert E. Lee. That was erected during the Jim Crow era. This is post-Civil War. Yeah. That was erected during the Jim Crow era to silence and to, to antagonize the black population in that community. Yep. By having a symbol of secession and treason um, erected in a public center... And you come out and you're the president of the United States and you provide and solidify the arguments. You provide a foundation and solidify the arguments uh, for these individuals. You are not doing your job yeah. as the president of the United States. Uh, I, I noticed on, on Twitter there was one moment where somebody edited the Wikipedia page for the Confederacy and added to the presidents of the Confederacy, they, Donald J. Trump, <laughs> underneath, <laughs> underneath, uh, underneath uh, Jefferson Davis. I well, that was let's rewind it a bit funny. and pick back up where I think you were going and I derailed you from, which was an issue, like just a, a conversation quickly describing what happened for anyone that listens in the future. So yeah. I think we got to the point that there's this Because this, this act, so we want this to act as a time capsule, right? Regardless yeah, so let's, of whether, let's go through the timeline. Of whether people listen to this or not. So there's not. a Unite the Right event. Yeah. There are these groups that show up. We mm-hmm. talked about who they are already. Far-right fringe groups and uh, KKK neo-Nazi type white supremacy groups. Yeah. Um, of course, as you would expect, uh, groups from the left show up to, to protest respond. Yeah. and respond against them. Yeah. Um, there is news coverage of the event, but everything starts to escalate once video comes out showing someone driving a car into a crowd. Yeah, so there had been a couple of outbursts of violence before that moment. Okay, let's talk about those. Yeah, yeah. okay, so there was one, uh, he, he had the bandana on, that doesn't mean he's an Antifa. I feel like protests with bandana, they're kind of one and the same now. But um, there was a group of neo-Nazis, because they, they brought riot gear, like clubs and riot shields. Okay. Uh, a lot of them. They, they being the neo-Nazis. The neo-Nazis, group? yeah. Okay. They, they had the black helmets with, like, the white crosses and things like that. Um, and uh, it was just paraphernalia reminiscent to to the Wehrmacht 
things like that. It was like a poor man's sure. bear mod. So they're, they're showing up equipped. Yeah. Should and there was a video in a parking lot of these guys beating up some young um, young black man. Okay. Um, and then uh, on Twitter, for, for a long time, there had been this meme on right-wing websites like run them down, which is just mm. drive over these people. Yeah. Uh, so there was a Reddit page that was called uh, physical removal or something like that. Physically removed, uh. which which was about how these protesters, these counter protesters, Antifa, the communists, the Marxists, all these people that uh, are deemed asocial by these far right wing uh, groups uh, should be physically removed from where they are okay so the joke was always hit them with your car right um now i don't know if that's exactly what I mean, we don't want to have anything guy. that says that that was yeah yeah part but, of motivations but the real but he was one of these people he was he wasn't the guy driving the car wasn't uh one of the individuals in like mil- riot gear or military gear he was one of the guys with the tiki torches right right um so he got in a dodge charger and ran down a group of protesters um and then backed over them, yeah. which killed one person. And injured a couple dozen, I and think. injured like 13. Um, like let's stick to the timeline then. So this obviously spreads all across major media. Of course. Everyone starts talking about it. Um, so traditionally, you expect public statements starting to be made. Um, we had some from local government officials, the Virginia governor. Yeah. Um, but eventually, we, we get had, a statement from We had statements from, from, from governors of, of states like Ohio, New York, sure. and Connecticut before we got... Yeah. So that was kind of like in the timeline. One of the first surprising things is it took us forever to get a statement from the White House. Yeah. And once we did get the statement from the White House, it was not sufficient. People were, I mean, floored. I think it went way beyond this is a lacking kind of position that the president's taking here to I cannot believe that he's taking this moment to focus on the idea that there's. Uh, legitimacy yeah, so let's to break, the right wing So then before we, before we get there, let's first start at the initial response. Okay. Which was like Saturday-ish night. Okay. Uh, it took way too long to, yeah. to get the president to say anything. But he just said that there was violence on both sides and he abhors violence. Yeah. Which, A, is really not true. <laughs> um, now, I don't want to get into to the debate about violent protest just yet. We'll get there. Um, but I just want to talk about the two entities here. At this protest, um, it was the left-wing groups that had actually focused on maintaining um, composure, like general composure across all of their participants. Right. Uh, it was the right-wing protesters that were actually advocating for violence. If you remember that one interview with, with Vice this week where she followed... That one uh, white supremacist was like, I want to beat up everybody. Yeah, but, it was but I mean, that, you that, find the yeah, right guy course, in Antifa, course, he's going to say the same. Sure, sure, sure. But this this was a leader of of the and not that I'm I'm a, I'm a proponent of Antifa, um, but the leadership of those groups, the anti-fascist groups, had actually stated prior to their arrival at Charlottesville that they want this to be a peaceful resistance. Right. So, right. but we didn't get any such message from, uh, you know, militia, para, paramilitary militia groups and the neo-Nazi groups. Yeah, the absence of one doesn't mean that the plan was to go of and course, cause but, violence, but of course. But one group m- murdered somebody, and for sure, 
for sure. But so, we got to like narrow that correctly. Sure, to sure. But then let's go. Let's try to circle back around to the president's comments. Yeah. So he says violence is bad. I hate violence, and it was bad on both sides. On both sides, he really tried to stress that this was kind was of completely uh, off base. Yeah. yeah, and it'd be one thing if this was a protest between. Like Bernie, uh, like a protest and counter protest between like Bernie supporters and Ted sure. Cruz supporters. Yeah. It's another thing when one element present is advocating for the ideology of a regime that led to the slaughter of tens mm-hmm. of millions of yep. people that de- that defined the world that we live in. Yeah. Um. Th- and I think. As the president of the United States, a party that really was a major element of the Second World War, right? Without the Lend-Lease Act in the UK, um, without our quiet support of of the USSR, uh, the war would have been very different, Um, at least on the Western Front. It's very possible that that Nazi Germany could have succeeded in, in Europe. So President Trump has a responsibility to remind the generation of Americans that he now kind of acts as a representative of, um, to remind this generation of the struggles that we have endured in fighting this toxic ideology. Because it's one thing to be a conservative, it's another thing to be a liberal, but it's one. I mean, it's one thing to be a Leninist, and it's one thing to be a Nazi. They're they're very different things. I think so. I think the president has a responsibility to the nation, the nation's identity, the trajectory in the future that the nation is trying to create for itself. I don't think he's the appointed national history professor. Absolutely. His job is to come out and. But but his. <laughs> He, he's got one job, and that's to denounce Nazis. I think we're just, like, skirting. Like, I think we can go directly to Trump got on a pulpit as the president of the United States and defended neo-Nazis. Yes, and that's what happened. Murdering. And that's what happened Monday. A protester in so, Charlottesville. So let's go there. Let's go to. Like, I don't think, it, like, fuck all the other shit. Like, the president of the United States. Yeah. I, that's all we need to talk. Like, that's the important thread. Yeah. I mean, I don't want. Because we've talked about how sometimes this podcast can get echo chambery, right? Sure. It's just impossible today to, to give any credence to... This is the right echo the chamber. And yeah. I really like fight against echo chambers in general. Yeah, but absolutely. being anti-fascist, and let's, let's, let's talk about what fascism is. Yeah. And we don't even have to go into like the Webster's definition. Being against political, social, whatever movements whose goals are similar to Hitler's goals, whose goals are similar to Stalin's goals, whose goals to similar to leaders that have murdered millions of people, everyone. And that wanna, should be their default position. And I want to carve out a special position for for Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Because there have been there there's Mao, there's Pol Pot, there's yeah. Stalin, there's Lenin. Uh, the, there are people that have, have uh, there are the Hutu and the Tutsi. Millions of people have died in, in political struggles and, and genocides. But there is something particularly despicable about the Nazi regime, this mechanized right. destruction of, of a specific group of individuals, asocials, Jews, the disabled, gays, lesbians, um, but particularly six million Jews – um, it's just shocking that 
the president wouldn't come out and immediately yeah. denounce what occurred there. So we thought, okay, maybe because he'll get pressure from the more moderate elements in the White House that he'll come out and he'll make a statement denouncing these particular groups. And then he does, kind of. It really still doesn't. On, on Monday, he does. Um, it's a second statement yeah, so far. The, the, the arbitrary racism, bad. Yeah. You no, know, anti-Semitism, bad. But then he comes out of a gold-plated lobby later in the week to, to say that many of them were fine people. So let's talk about what must have happened between racism, bad, to some of these people were fine people. Yeah. I just don't know what could have possibly occurred until I looked at one Twitter page called Trump Speed. And if you don't have this uh, followed, it's Trump's Speed. What it, it does is it's a bot that retweets every single tweet from what Trump follows. Mm. So it's getting a view of what Trump looks at when he opens his phone. Okay, And... There you will see everybody saying, well, this is a legitimate debate to have on whether or not we should leave up Confederate statues built in 1890 to 1961. So Trump is once again just consuming media and regurgitating it, except now it's extraordinarily damaging to the fabric of our nation. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's one thing to... to come out and say um, that Hillary Clinton is a part of some globalist agenda to destroy the American ideology, right? To destroy our national identity, things like that. It's another thing to come out and advocate for for the maintenance and the, and the subsistence of symbols of treason. Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't moved an inch from being the failed real estate guy who also sold ties and stakes yeah. to being the president. Because if he says these things back when he's the failed real estate investor, I mean, they don't have the same effect internationally. They don't have the same effect domestically. Like, you're just another loon. Or you're just another person, like, way on the other side of the spectrum than me. But he speaks for us. He speaks for the office of the president. He speaks, speaks for this country. Um and thankfully, we're seeing, right, so, so the timeline, right, some of the consequences, people are jumping ship, ship left and right. Yeah. These councils that he's initially put together I wanna, I wanna totally poke, dissolved. I want to poke at what you said about he speaks for all of us, um, or at least should. I think now, more than ever, he doesn't, and I know you mean the office of the presidency. Speaks, right, speaks right, for, right. for the United States. Yeah. And I think that that's such a crucial point because he knows that he doesn't. And he doesn't speak to Americans. He speaks to his fans. Because they're not even... I don't even think mm. you can call it a base. He doesn't have a base. He has a bunch of fans. Yeah. And the fact that he's playing to them from this office is just so weird. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel right. It feels disjointed, like a like a tear in... in in our reality. Yeah, and so much of the a information... in the Matrix. <laughs> Uh, we've heard he gets so much of his information from very like select channels, CNN, yeah. Twitter, Fox, um, Fox News. Um, so his reality, yeah. the reality that he has chosen to like construct for himself and live with him, within is, is very different than the reality mm-hmm. across the country from coast to coast. So um, it kind of explains why 
he decides to call these pressers and to make these statements. Yeah. Because those are conversations in that realm of reality. But um, they're not the national conversation. They're not the important conversations. They're not the the conversations that everyone is having with their neighbors and then looking at the president to make a comment about that topic. But no one's going to, oh, okay, well, he's just living in a different world. You know, the things he say, the things that he says really matter. And they're going to really impact whether or not he makes it through the year, through the yeah. next year. I mean, there's a lot of people saying that we've, we've passed and we've yeah. crossed that line that there's got to well, be a resignation they, if, within a year. If the Senate proposes a censure for these comments, which the idea just started floating in, um, in the political realm, in, in the D.C., you know, the D.C. sphere, um, because it really is a world of its own in some ways. Yeah. Um, that's when things will start to actually you'll see a real shift in um in the the cohesiveness of of the relationship between Trump and not only his supporters but those who voted for him and against Hillary Clinton. I still yeah. don't think this will do it. And as horrible as that is, I don't think this will do it. It's definitely I think when we look back on it, if we see the outcome that we've talked about, that he just doesn't last one term, this will be one of the key moments. What what probably needs to happen is Republican senators who win their primary battles, right, need to come out against President Trump. At this point, you can't be— Because if you're against President Trump, there's a chance you could get primary to the right right now. Yeah. But if you win your primary and then denounce comments that President Trump makes— you're forcing Republican voters in your state, in your district, yeah. to support someone who does not see eye to eye with yeah. the president. Well, and he's lost Ryan, Paul Ryan. He's lost McConnell. Yeah, I don't, think he's, I don't think he's lost Paul Ryan in, in the They're way They're separating that, themselves from him. Yeah, but did it really take supporting neo-Nazism to do it? Apparently. I mean, at least as what? far as they're, they're no longer being willing to make supportive comments on a public stage. Yeah, and but the thing is, Paul Ryan didn't make supportive comments, but he didn't directly denounce the comments of the president. But he you did, could count on did, him before to say he, something in support. He did the stock... The stock response of racism bad, yeah. bigotry bad, prejudice and and you know anti-Semitism bad, which is no different from the initial comment that President Trump made. It's just as lackluster and and insufficient in response to the problem as that initial comment that Trump made. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I want to see moral leadership yeah. from the people that are in. The position of leadership. Yeah, and I mean, McConnell, Ryan are both doing what you'd expect them to do, playing politics, judging when and when not to say something. But I think there's a distinct separation there. You, you, you look at who's left, right? Bannon was the one that you could probably count on to be an anchor for him. And the, the next bit of big news is that he's now he gone. He's gone, yeah. Um, he's, he's fired the staff two, three times over. If you look at that initial picture when he first took office. I don't know office, who, who can replace... The only person, remember that one picture with Trump and Pence, and then around him, uh, Bannon, Priebus, uh, the one where he's on the phone. Yeah, I know. The only two people left in that picture are Trump and Pence. He's fired, or the others have all quit Yeah. Uh, for some type of scandal. So there's there's, there's no, no there's one no really one on his side 
the, the, the problem is you can see uh, there have been plenty of presidencies with a high rate of turn, turnover. But um, not like this. But the problem is they were already scraping the bottom of the barrel of Republican politics. Yeah. Um, however, Bannon's departure from the White House is the most important one. Well, and he leaves, and it's not just him going. It's yeah. the, those it's, pocketbooks you talked about last week. Yeah, it's his ilk. Yeah, and what's the name of the family, though? The, the, the private Mercers. Equity? The Mercers. The Mercers they, are not staying no with Trump. They will no longer support Trump no. without Bannon there. They're going to be throwing wheelbarrows full of cash at Breitbart now because supposedly that's where Bannon's going to go back to. Uh, that is where he's going to go back to. Um, There's no way it's anywhere else. Uh, so who of actual significance is still on Trump's team? The generals, but they don't but have... But that's it. Industry have, is left. Yeah. Industries. Oh, and the evangelicals. They'll, the evangelicals and but the they'll support. But the problem is they'll support any Republican that, that they've already gotten what they want out of Trump. Yeah. And that was the Supreme Court seat. Private equity, hedge funds, big central banks, though. Okay. All of those groups that were They're with all him. Gone. If Gary Cohen leaves, it's over. If Gary Cohen leaves, it's over. But I want to focus on Bannon today because okay. as, as much as interesting as why the market has rallied around Trump, uh, as interesting as that is, it's not that complicated. It's just Gary Cohen's existence. So talking about the timeline again, do you think that coincided in any way with what transpired in Charlottesville? Oh, absolutely. Okay, Trump, what was the impetus? Trump's lack of... Uh, impulse control is his own, um, but I, I think it's a two-pronged complaint, grievance that that Trump has against Bannon. One, oh, th- actually, never mind. Three, <laughs> three, three. Okay. One is that Trump doesn't like anybody who gets credit for any of Trump's success. Trump wants to be the guy who, who is the maker of his own. Uh, Success, for lack of a better term, and and the the issue Trump has with with Bannon is that people were bestowing credit upon Bannon's arrival as the as the reason why Trump was able to win. It's been going on for a long time. Yeah, everyone attributed it to Bannon. Um, and in my opinion, rightfully so, hmm? um, because I think bannon was able to merge the two elements of the trump candidacy together right that economic nationalism that trump would touch upon occasionally uh and trump's bombast the only thing that kept trump in the race was his bombast and his bellicose Mm -hmm. uh style (laughs) um and his, his alpha male take no excuses and what Bannon was able to do was to merge that personality with this economic nationalist agenda, yeah. which had already amassed a massive following. So Trump had sort of this fringe following that just kept him relevant enough on social media to maintain his position uh, in the Republican primary. But he was going to lose a general election. There, that, he was slated to lose that general election. It was Bannon's arrival and Trump and his decision to focus on these economic nationalist uh, policies that allowed Trump to steal a lot of these blue-collar union workers that the Democratic Party believed they had in the bag. Yeah. Because, I mean, you, the Democrats, they saw, at least in a certain respect, they saw some enthusiasm for Sanders. I mean, we don't have to go back and revisit They're, the whole not at all, but election, but they Bannon's saw, role. Yeah, Bannon's role was crucial. Yeah. Um, it was a losing campaign with all of the other uh, 
It was it was a statement about the nature of the Republican Party, not a statement about the nature of uh, not a statement about the success of Trump's platform. Yeah, I mean, it was Bannon who found a way to connect to enough of uh, the emotional uh, threat in this country uh, with people who felt forgotten. Yeah, in the economy that allowed him to win. Um, so, without Bannon here and with Bannon back at Breitbart, there is a chance now that the battle lines are drawn. Well, in talking about that, let's also talk a little bit about once Trump won, yeah. once Bannon became the White House chief strategist, mm-hmm. what was Bannon's role? What was his level of influence? What did he do and how much did he influence the administration's agenda, the National Security Council's agenda? Quite a bit. If you remember, he was actually on the NSC for yep. a while before he was taken off. So to just think that there was a political advisor there, it, it's just shocking. Right. Um, a lot, you can tell when a speech that Trump gives is uh, written by, there are two elements, in, or were two elements in the Trump White House. The, the conventional Republican Party and Bannonism. And you could tell which version of Trump you were getting. The conventional Republican Trump or the nationalist um, really uh, kind of, it's just Bannonism. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a breed of politics that's really unique. Um, not great, <laughs> but unique. Right. Um, and it was, when Trump was proposing conventional Republican policy, like privatizing uh, air traffic control, which is, we can talk about that later. But that's a pretty standard Republican uh, policy position. Yeah, for decades. Those speeches are always really poorly delivered and nowhere near as engaging as when (laughs) Trump is unhinged and going crazy behind, uh, at a lectern. That's when Bannon wrote whatever Okay, so then the next logical question would be if he's no longer Bannon being he there to um, be the one that writes these speeches, to be the one that oh, pushes Trump, Trump to go give them, tr- does that go away? Is there no one left to push that side of Trump? No, Trump just is going to be really, really bored. with. So that sounds like a yes, that yeah. we're just going to get the it, other side. We're, but, but the problem is maybe not because Stephen Miller will probably stick around because he's got nowhere else to go. No one would hire him. Yeah. Nobody in the private sector would ever want that guy. But... I feel like there's a, a significant gap between Bannon and Miller. I feel like they're kind of yeah. cut from the same cloth. But if you looked at Miller in the uh, presser, he wasn't that ex- that far right, that extreme. That I mean, everything he said was mostly kept in the lanes of, I think, economic theory and his views of the market and stuff like that. Yeah, in some ways. I mean, that bit on immigration was... a a bit extreme. Yeah, no, good point. So I. Anyways, we don't know. Then basically, we'll have to wait and see to see. Yeah, but to think that to think that Trump is going to change as an individual, you'd be remiss to assume. But I guess that's the question, that's right? Is is right? that radical side of Trump like, actually Trump or someone I, no, pulling Ban- Trump's Bannon, strings? Bannon just knew how to tap into it and utilize okay. it. Okay. To 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 Bannon, Trump was just a a via, and I think this is a major part of the disconnect when it comes to the media and Trump. They. And the media. I hate saying that word because these people are hardworking. They know more than probably all of us here. But in the reporting that I watch on cable news because I'm a plebe and 
just turning on the TV is a lot easier than reading, you know, neoliberal political theory all day. Um, it's you'll notice that people think that the right wing, this far right wing that's that's that that now exists, you know, places like r slash the Donald and POL on 4chan, all of these far right wing groups uh, that are on the internet. No, 4chan. That's a small. I mean, it's a small sliver, but it impacts the entire. But I. It impacts. I say it's a small sliver because I think there are bigger slivers that are still just as extreme. Yeah, like the like the Daily Stormer and uh, the 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 National Socialist Party, things like that. All of these people have been exposed to content that has come. And I want to point that out because, like, if you know about Reddit, you know about 4chan, you know about these other places, it may seem to you that on a practical level, they're small, focused communities. Um, it's much bigger than that. Yeah, it is much bigger than and that. And these are organizations that have been around for generations. Yeah, and this is the problem. Is I wanted to talk about Steve Bannon because I want to talk about Steve Bannon's kind of career path. Okay. Um, so we're just going to skip all of the Goldman Sachs time and, and, and okay. education because while he's been very successful as an individual, it's not relevant to the discussion we're having here today. Let's talk about right when he walked into Breitbart and started Breitbart okay. with Breitbart. Um, <laughs> with Mercer money or? Uh, I don't, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I don't know where that we came wouldn't, from. We wouldn't know. But Trump, Bannon is considered the leader of this movement. All too often, yeah. that title is attributed to Trump. And that's just not true. Trump has once again purchased an, purchased an institution, some thing, right, and slapped his name on it. It's funny. I feel like in this case, they bought him. Oh yeah, absolutely. But we're, we're gonna we're gonna get there. Okay. One thing about Trump I've also noticed is that a lot of Republicans like to paste their opinions onto him, right? Mm. Whether it's the evangelicals, they always find a justification for why they support Trump. Those who actually have the strongest justification to support him are these nationalist groups, because they've seen that rhetoric in statements made by the president during, whether it's during the campaign or whether even it's this week, right? We saw comments like, well, uh, yeah, Robert E. Lee owned slaves, but so did George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. Sure. I wonder who goes down next. Is it George Washington? Which is dumb, but <laughs> I don't want to harp on it too much. Um, <laughs> it's a different conversation. It's a different but I understand what you're saying because well, uh, Trump and that group that group finally got someone in a real position of power and influence yeah. who they could associate with. And that person and was a Steve Bannon. For them. Yes. That person yes. was Steve yes. Bannon. Yes. People think pulling, that, pulling Trump's uh, yeah, strings. Trump is merely a vehicle to, to implement this agenda. The agenda I, that, yeah. that Breitbart is in, that, that Breitbart advocates. So you're talking about Bannon's career, though. Yeah. That's a torch he took up. He fought that fight as much as in, and as for long as he could through the office of the president, but he's no longer there. He's talked about now continuing the war. Uh, you've got editors of Breitbart saying, the, you know, the war has begun, hashtag war, whatever, on Twitter. Um, is that the next step in Bannon's career? That, that like, philosophically, oh, it, principally, oh, it, this is something he actually truly believes at his core? It's going to become a slimy mess so who's left on <laughs> so i mean imagine right we're gonna who's, talk we're gonna get together for dinner Trump? and we're gonna talk about who's taking which 
line an attack on who. So we're going to have Breitbart going after Trump for not being radically right enough. Oh, well, I, I can already tell you what, what the line of attack is going to be. It's going to be the Trump administration was infiltrated by the globalists, yeah. right? And Trump is now just a, a puppet for the Cohens, uh, the H.R. McMasters of the world, who are just advocating for uh, the bankers, the quote-unquote Islamists, uh, and the globalists. That's what the line of attack is going to be, that, that, that Trump has lost his political purity. Okay. Them. Is Fox still there saying, oh, no, Fox, he's doing Fox the right will, thing? Fox will just support Trump. Okay. They, they don't actually have a political ideology. They're just, so, they're just the mouthpiece of today's Republican Party. In the same way that we thought Trump wouldn't, uh, Fox wouldn't take to Trump. Yeah. So this is going to be Trump finally asserting control over yeah. his staff. It's going to be an awkward dance and... for Hannity because Hannity's <laughs> kind of – he's sipped the Kool-Aid of, of oh my. ethno-nationalism. Where does Alex Jones and InfoWars go? That's the real question. <laughs> Alex Jones and InfoWars, if I, if I was a betting man, which I sometimes am, um, I, I bet that Alex Jones turns pretty hard on Donald Trump. Yeah, I imagine he's going to slot right this into This was uh, This was the worst misstep of as – if, as if I'm, I care about the well-being of the Trump administration. <laughs> um, this was the worst decision Trump could make to do it – especially to do it right now. And – this circles back to another issue I have with with the Trump presidency is that Trump always tends to project his problems onto other people. Trump, I'm sure, blames Steve Bannon for the negative reaction that Trump's comments elicited. Oh, sure. Or that the that the Trump's comments uh, the, he doesn't like the seeds that he that were sown when he made those comments. CNN was not applauding. Yeah. What he said, and he, I'm sure, like you were saying, he certainly. Uh, put that blame and Trump back on always Bannon. finds people to blame for the failures. Of it's never Trump's fault. Yeah, you can, uh, and, for decades it's never been his. Fault. And that's the problem. You can almost make a significant argument uh, on why, or at least for why, the failure to repeal the ACA doesn't fall in Trump's hands, right? Because that's the Senate and the House. And they have sure. they have their own political challenges, right? This this inability to be the governing party, this this desire to truly be the party in opposition to something. Okay. Um, you can make the argument that the Republican Party is just not ready to govern. That they they've spent way too long uh, reveling in the benefits of being the underdog, and they don't want to give it up. So they don't know how to actually govern, right? They're having a hard time, and that's why I think, Trump, I think they know. And that's how, why Trump is distancing himself from the Republican Party. Right? He doesn't want to be the party in power. He wants to be this underdog who's coming into trying to shake things up. Yeah, but it's gonna be interesting to see who starts reshaping the direction of Trump and his presidency because absolutely, it's and not then, coming and out of the, his own like inner core. Yeah, and then the difference between that argument and the argument that it's not Trump's fault, it's the people around Trump. That's just not true. It's Trump's personal foibles and his shortcomings that are his own. Steve Bannon didn't come out and make a statement. Donald J. Trump did. If he lacks the judgment to come to the conclusion that maybe these kinds of 
wholly inappropriate comments should not be made from that platform or with the platform of the presidency, then that's Donald Trump's own mistake. Of course. I mean, like, we all know he's an idiot. I mean, this is uh, so there's a certain part. There's a certain segment of this country that thinks he's an incredibly intelligent, skilled, successful businessman. But I think most of us know Trump thinks he's incredible and he surrounds himself with people and he tells them, make me look amazing. Make me look great. Support this idea. Like, be loyal. Make me look phenomenal. I don't think any of us have ever bought into the philosophy that Trump's successes are a result of him individually spearheading these campaigns and these initiatives him coming up with strategy. He just surrounds himself with people that, yeah, and that forward his own ego. And that's the problem also with the Republican Party and why, if you're a liberal, there's some hope. Because while Donald Trump and the Republican Party vote in lockstep, right? Well, yeah. vote well, in lockstep. That, that, that he'll always sign Republican legislation. He'll never properly advocate for it. So it puts Republicans in a really, really hard position. As you saw with the ACA repeal, when you have a president who calls your proposed legislation mean. Yeah. Well, this is why I think we're going to see a much more center Trump now. I, I don't know. More cent, like center-ish? We're, or he's going to start, we're going to get, the dial is going to start leaning that direction? We're not going to get a, a, a centered Trump in the sense that we're going to get a pensive, thoughtful, moderate Republican. <laughs> right. Um, we'll probably get less... Which is less in, threatening to the country. Absolutely. Which is less we'll threatening probably to civil get, rights. We'll probably get less um, inflammatory rhetoric from the White House. Rhetoric that matters, right? These, these words matter. But this also feeds into the idea that Trump is doing more damage to the White House than he is to anything else. Right? Like, there was a period when Donald Trump was tweeting out that he is a major... Um, announcement on the military and then left an ellipsis for like eight minutes <laughs> and the pentagon almost lost its mind because they didn't know what he was going to say and then he makes this comment about transgender people in the military and the pentagon kind of just ignored it yeah because they they the know pentagon, they can the pentagon is disregarding they didn't truly ignore it there were generals and leaders from the ring court of the army then their own personal twitter feeds and other great avenues Great, but the, effectively it was ignored. But that's what you want. Exactly. So, but let's but let's talk about that, right? So his his proposal on on uh, trans people in the military, yeah, ignored. Yeah. Uh, his bellicose statement with regard his his really his instigating comment about North Korea was completely. Not only rejected, but contradicted by every single uh, person around him. Yeah. Sarah Huckabee Sanders tried to play it like it was a like it was something it wasn't. Rex Tillerson said, "You have no reason to worry. Uh, I don't think the president's statement is is going to do anything." Which is saying, "Hey guys, don't worry about it. He's just crazy." Right. And then you had military leaders trying to calm everyone else down. So we don't – usually the president and the administration are in lockstep. 
But the problem is I don't think we have a president. I think we have a person that wants to sit and watch television and tweet about it. Well, I guess the reason I keep trying to bring it back to what does it look like now that Bannon's gone I mean, that's the very recent history about what we've had from Trump yeah, but over I, the last 200 I think days. The, 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 I think the most apt and and uh, the, the most important thing to bring up at this point uh, would be that if you saw Bannon's comments on North Korea, they were actually in opposition to what Trump was saying. Right. The interview so, that he gave so was who completely... Knows? Yeah. So who knows? He he said that uh, that that uh, Trump's comments were reckless, that they're meaningless, and that quote unquote they got us. Yeah. Okay. So we're kind of we're kind of wandering here. Yeah. A of course lot. we are. So let's, let's bring so it back let me, into let me bring like it back to a consequential. Sing, yeah, a single sentence. Bannon's existence didn't change who Trump was. Bannon was just able to utilize Trump's character. Yeah. And now that he's gone, we're probably going to get. A less inflammatory, not on slightly it, more not boring. Not on issues like North Korea, because Trump, at, at the end of the day, wants to come out as though he's some alpha. But that's male. where I, I keep taking issue with you, because is he that guy, or is he the guy that's easily manipulated? Because he can't be both at the same time. Like on one he's, hand, we can't oh, say no, he wasn't the I strategist of his I own think campaign. He's easily manipulated as long as he personally believes that it makes him look good. If you go there, I think, and that's my. I think that's a key point he cares about. As long as he thinks it's making him look good, he doesn't care what it is. He's being manipulated to do yep so who's manipulating him now if it's not bannon it's a group of individuals that are like most of us would never reach the extreme I levels see of bannon mean. so I see what you mean. we're likely to see a trump a that's more a more less inflammatory yeah. probably a little more boring um but i i don't think we but, so here's a, the reason knows? i bring all this up is because i think there's a real danger there and we see that and we think the waters are calming and we think things are getting better and we stop being not less outraged because there's, you know, there's no lack of outrage, but we don't take it as, as big of a threat as it was. Yeah. So that was going to lead to a question for me to you. What can Bannon do? What can Breitbart do? What is their real threat? What can they consequentially, you know, really have the potential to bring about? Get rid of that several that that several thousand individuals that decided the election so you only need a couple thousand of the fringe of the fringe to not show up well to not show up but to be motivated by the wrong people is this just going to be a news outlet trump, that yells and shouts loses, or are they going to actually the thing is, if trump loses bring about his action core, if, if trump loses that 30 percent, if that drops any lower he's not getting reelected. but is breitbart going to be calling for people to actually revolt to actually take up arms to do more than just go and protest Pro- statues being probably taken probably not I wouldn't. Who are they? So who are they going to go after? What What's they're this gonna, new Breitbart they're mission? They're going to now go after Bannon's the president. Returning? They're going to go after the president, but more importantly, the people inside the White House, because they believe that they're not true. Uh, I guess true, true to the ideals that they represent. So when they supported the president, it's because they believed that he was going to advocate for the idea. He was going to be an advocate for the ideology that they. Uh, that they shared with him or right. that they thought they shared with him. I don't think the president truly has an ideology. Um, and I don't think that that's a negative. I mean, who cares? Um, you can just be a pragmatist, but that's not what he is either. Um, it's definitely not a positive. Yeah. You definitely want someone who's at the other 
it's not necessarily a, a negative yeah. thing. Uh, um, but because there have been non-ideologues in the White House and, and they've they've operated just fine. Yeah. Um, I think what you'll see now is you'll just see a lack of a, a teetering of support. The the bottom the, the floor could fall out. The floor could fall out. There there is this element of of the country that supports Trump for Trump's sake. Um, but the real reason is that there's this unspoken groundswell of support for these ethno-nationalist policies. Mm-hmm. And if Trump just becomes George Bush, he's no different from the establishment, the administrative state. So the, the line of attack is going to be the administrative state has turned Trump. And Trump has gotten rid of our one true ally in the White House. Flynn is gone. Now right. Bannon's gone. A lot of uh, Flynn's hires are gone. All of them, mostly, are gone. I'm trying to think through what this means. And I, I have a hard time and I think, coming to a conclusion other than uh, we're going to have the same rough amount of people who believed in those nationalist, racist ideas as we did before. They may be a little bit louder, but that platform can't attract any more Absolutely than they not. already That's have. why I actually think that this is a good thing for the Democratic Party because now it goes back to them having to be the guys on the side of the highway yeah, with yeah. nothing to to paste their ideology onto. Yeah. You, you can't see a... Pol- <laughs> Who's going to challenge? Are we going to see President Bannon? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. So now... But, but this will also be the demise of, of Trump's political legitimacy. Because the way that Trump distinguished himself from other Republicans was that he was this kind of mm. mildly vitriolic um, American nationalist kind of. You know how sad it is how, how, how little he has to move more to the left or more toward the center for comparatively media to start asking the question and running the headlines, Trump, now more presidential? Yeah. Trump. Well, you know? now, now it becomes a question of his own personal sanity and, and, and his capability to execute the day-to-day work of the presidency. Like, now it becomes a question of whether or not he's competent enough yeah. to be in the way. And that question's always been looming, right? The t- we don't. We're not going to get into a conversation about the Twenty Fifth Amendment, but uh, it, it becomes a. It's now slowly evolving into no longer a a country where we are appalled by the rhetoric. Now we question whether or not he's truly capable of being in the office. That's a really good point. That'll that'll be the set of questions to get a lot more focus because ho- hopefully. Right. If, if the predictions here hold true, we won't be having conversations about the radical extreme. And this program. is actually why I think he shouldn't have fired Scaramucci. And here's why. Because Scaramucci is the best cannon fodder <laughs> for the White House. The he, is, he is a human shield of absurdity. He would have been the shiniest goddamn object in that White House. Do you think shiny objects was the plan or just the incidental byproduct of Trump and who he hangs out with? Oh, I, I think he hired Scaramucci to come in, pull the pin on a grenade, blow himself <laughs> up, and blow Bannon and 
Priebus out of the White House. Yeah, for me, that's the eternal question, and I wish it would be a flat. It was wall. an inside How job. How much of this? Yeah, I was. I think it was an inside job. It's crazy because there's no ill will from the mooch. And, yeah. and if the mooch felt pushed out, if the mooch felt embarrassed, we'd know that the mooch felt embarrassed. The books are going to be written in 10, 12, 20 years. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> like, let's not forget. So I go back to this point. There was that element of – it was the circus, right? Trump was also a – but now that's gone. The circus is gone. The racism is not necessarily gone. But the strongest proponent of the more racist rhetoric coming from the White House is gone, yeah. right? Now it's just Donald Trump and the establishment and whether or not he's capable of doing the job. And now it's just him and Russia and no distractions. Yeah, I don't think Bannon no was the race, one thing standing no, in the way. Yeah, no, no offhand race, racially uh, insensitive comments. No... Uh, PR representatives mm -hmm. saying that uh, Priebus is a schizophrenic paranoiac. Yeah. Um, now it's just Trump, his Twitter, and Robert Mueller. Yeah. This can't go well. No. Because Trump, remember, throughout the entire process of the of the of the Trump campaign and thus far in the Trump White House, is there have been so many balls in the air. That it has been hard for both the news media and it, the, the general voting populace yeah. to focus on one problem in the White House. So he actually benefited from the general chaos. And I don't want to make like a, a political chaos theory argument here. <laughs> but there is a possibility that he directly benefited from having a myriad of course he did problems. there's not even a possibility that he so did. He now did. we have put, now we will put the trump administration under a microscope and look at a refined image a a, a it's not going to be refined <laughs> well it's going to be now we're going to look at spe a specific issue, and that is Trump the individual. I think we're getting, yeah. there's no other controversial we're, figure we're left. We're getting establishment Republican politics now. Yeah. We're, but, we're getting a version of the Republican Party that, you know, not maybe if Romney had won, but if Ted Cruz or And I guess if, Jared Kushner's still there, but he's he can't leave. I mean, you're getting probably what you would have expected if anyone other than Trump had, had won the party nom in the presidency. Now you're getting the Trump White House with all, without all of the gold plating. So, okay, so there's a question. The Those that are left that will influence Trump, Kelly, uh, Ivanka, the, and Jared, are there any real extremists left? Are there really highly unqualified people outside of, obviously, his daughter Jarvanka. and son-in-law? Jarvanka, nice. Uh, but those on the National John Security Kelly. Council. Why is John Kelly chief of staff? He's not capable of he, he is capable of organizational uh, changes, right? He and that was the perfect guy to bring in to just do this thing, right? But who is his? He's not ideal, but he's. I mean, no, no, no. But how John Kelly doesn't know how to 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 influence individual senators, and in, he's not a proponent uh, I think you'd be of surprised the Trump agenda. How much time generals spend with? How is he going? Sen Senator specifically, sure. but also CEO. But on issues of d d foreign policy, I mean, he's not versed. Staffs. He's not versed. Even if you are, 
a highly experienced chief of staff, like you have staff yourself. It's still, to dig it's into those still weird. And he, and he it's has still weird. As well. It's totally it's a, weird, but this is this is a purely civilian position. I don't think it's it, prime to it, implode. It, it's though, about like as it weird. Before. It's about as weird to have if Priebus became the. Uh, you know the one of the joint chiefs. Sure. It just doesn't look right. It just doesn't look right. He might have skills, but they're not. The he might have skills with a Z. Um, he might have <laughs> some political. But you, do you agree that it's just no? It's no longer prime to explode and go off the rails. Who knows? Had we, Bannon been we've never had this many uh, former military officials in civilian positions. Yeah, well, I don't know what. What where the White House goes as it relates to, to domestic policy because now I don't think they have one. Mm. Now they don't have one. Now they have whatever can be kind of thrown together from the trash heap of failed ideas that have come and died. It's not died. that bad. I mean, they don't have no, but failed remember, remember, community they, college professors. They, all of I mean, these, these, are, these are accomplished people in their own right. <laughs> I mean, it's... No, 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 no I'm, but I'm talking about Congress. And the Congress that failed in both houses to pass an ACA repeal. Okay. I was – so Trump staff Trump, is one conversation. Trump if staff, we're jumping to Trump Congress, then, then Congress has been seen as a failure Trump's, and has practically been a failure. Trump staff is not liked by Trump supporters at all. Trump staff – No, I, I know. We're talking about their ability to run a functioning White House. It's not there still because the problem is Trump himself. John Kelly didn't take away Trump's Twitter account. John Kelly hasn't hasn't told the president that he needs to refrain from engaging in rhetoric that can only be defined as just the crappiest version of dog whistle politics. Nobody stopped Trump from going out and making that statement in the first place. And I don't think Steve Bannon. I don't, I don't think that's going to. I mean, I don't. That's do not that. what I'm talking about. Like, I, Trump's personality will continue to run Trump's character and his interaction with the general public. I'm talking about functionally. Functionally, it won't get any better either because a lot of these positions are just not filled. All right. Well, we'll see. Who takes this job now? Who is? I don't know that he needs a chief uh, strategic advisor. I don't know that they'll fill the position. I think he's got the, the people in place that he's now said, you're who I trust. I, I trust you before, and now I'm going to trust you even more. Okay. But I, I, still think, I still think that there is no way that this goes well. I don't th- – but I'm not making the argument that this is going to get good or that this is going to get better or it's going to get remotely approaching anything you and I would like. I'm only making the argument that there's no longer some, be someone standing in the crowd subtle. with a grenade in their hand and the pin pulled. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think it will be possibly more subtle. But I don't know because Twitter still exists. So that's, that's, that's my – Twitter exists. That's, that's the two That's a whole other episode. Well, we've learned how much uh, to wait ever to try to predict the fucking future. So yeah. <laughs> we will, we'll just wait and watch. We'll wait and see. And I, undoubtedly, I'm sure we're going to have something to talk about next week that we had no idea. Well, I, What's guess around the corner. I guess I'll see you there. <laughs> it's been good, man. All righty. Uh, thanks. thanks for listening, everybody. And we will catch you next time.